Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,428. For me, it it comes down to one word, and uh, that word is why. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car, have two cars, or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSYA and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green, and I love Sports Car Market Magazine. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from actually pretty close to me here at SeaTac, Washington, Steve Hoff. Hey, Steve, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Man, I am, Mark. Thank you very much. This is, uh, this is awesome. And cars, yeah. I mean, what else can I say? There you go. Steve Huff owns Steve Huff Motorsports there in SeaTac, Washington. He's a 30 plus year racing veteran with over 20 years as a professional racer under his belt. Steve's earned 13 national and world records in speed. He's a self-taught builder and racer who's built custom bikes and cars that have won awards and set many speed records. Today, he continues his quest for the speed with current technology, his electric dragster, and the brainchild of e-spec race cars, a division of his Huff Motorsports. Mixed with all of this, Steve is also working on the concept for an education-based TV show titled Speed Geeks, The Science of Speed. And uh, a few days after we record this show, he's going to be off trying to set another land speed record, uh, or a speed record, I should say. We're going to learn a lot more about that. But first, Steve, as I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you, would you take a brief moment to share maybe a little bit more about your career and your passion for motorcycles, automobiles, dragsters, and pretty much everything that goes really fast. Well, sure, Mark, and thank you. Uh, 
Uh, I, I will give you a one correction. I think we're at uh, 15 national and world records now. Whoa, uh, there you 13, go. But, well, see, your uh, movie's so what? fast, I can't even keep up with you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, rec- as they say, records are borrowed. They're not owned. And yeah. uh, a lot of those records that I set have been beat by others. And, and uh, sometimes I try and go back and beat them again. Sometimes I let the next guy go for it. Uh, it it's a never-ending process. And I guess how I got started on it was uh, very early in my life. Uh, I didn't have the best of childhoods. Uh, a lot of, in fact, I'd, I have very few memories before like seventh grade around that time. Uh, and around that time, I guess, is when I get discovered bicycles. And yeah, I had a bike. I got one for Christmas. I remember it very clearly. My brother and I each got one. We were living on Camano Island, another place here in Washington yeah, State, a beautiful north. place. And, yeah. and of course, if it's an island, that means it's a hill that has grown out of the water. And so with a bicycle and a hill, uh, what more is there for a young person to do? And it was all about going fast. Uh, the longer hill, the steeper hill, the bigger jump, uh, trying to convince my brother to lay in front of a jump so I could jump over him. And, and <laughs> uh, I did. I was successful in convincing him a few times until he was like 12 feet out in front of me and I landed on him. Uh, oh, one yeah, that too was the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> everybody needs a little brother, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, but I, yeah, that's where it started. That was the passion for speed. And it was really about the drive. Like many young people, you know, bicycles were introduced to me far before automobiles were. And I went from there to working on a farm and getting to drive a tractor. You know, and I'm not talking about some big Holland, New Holland uh, processing. I mean, these are old farm tractors and, you know, with big gear shifters on them and levers and power takeoffs, and three-point hitches. And, you know, it was cool. I wanted to drive the tractor anytime, anywhere. Even if I could steer the truck when we were hauling hay, you know, you'd, you'd take these old, uh, I remember Myron Gabeline, he had an old 67 Chevy three-quarter ton four-wheel drive with a compound low in it, and we'd put that in low, low and first gear and, and just let it drive through the field by itself as we were trying to throw hay bales. Just you that. load so, hay on the back. <laughs> that's right, man. Yeah, so yeah. I guess that's where it all started. And um yeah. Continued to blossom from there into a great educator, my shop teacher in high school, uh, Mark Racico, you know, a guy who uh, inspired many. And back then, the, in that time, our schools had automotive shops, small engine shops. Uh, you know, my first engine was a, that I took apart was a uh, uh, with supervision, <laughs> the first engine I was able to take apart and put back together was uh, yeah. under the guidance of uh, of the great Mark Racico, a shop teacher that uh, is still around there on Whidbey Island. And uh, he was just an all-around great guy, and he taught a lot of students and uh, gave us opportunities to see things that unfortunately aren't uh, shared often enough now with the lack of vocational-type classes uh, or education in our high in our school system. But that's a different subject for a different time. But, uh, yeah, and then high school and getting my driver's license. I was the last kid to get their driver's license. I was the youngest in our class, well, myself and, and my best friend, John, uh, you know, and the two of us were both just car nuts. And his father was a great teacher and, and a, a very a brilliant man. And, and he let us make mistakes and taught us why and taught us how to think. And yeah, then it went from there. Yeah, well, there's a lot more to tell. But how we're going to start this whole journey of your life here is I'm going to have you share with us a mantra or a success quote, something that has meaning for you. It's a nice way to get those tires smoking here on Cars. Yeah, Steve, I know you love to drive, so grab the wheel. 
Yeah, for me, it comes down to one word, and uh, that word is why. That's a question. Mm. It's a one-word question, and it's why. And my curiosity has always driven me to ask that question. It took a little bit of time, but at least today, I'm never afraid to ask why or tell somebody I don't know what that means. And if you, if anybody listening ever thinks, well, you have to ask the right question, you don't. It's it's quite simple. You have to ask one word, why? And not where to find the answer, but why is the answer the answer? And uh, whether it be math, whether it be astronomy, whether it be uh, mechanics, there there's always more there will always be more to the question. Even after you get the answer to that question, it's just going to unlock a door to the next question. And that one will unlock a door to another question. And as they say, what I really firmly believe is the more you learn, the more you find that you realize that you don't know. And oh, absolutely. It applies to so many things in life. But mechanically, uh, that's, my, that's my vision, my quest to find the answer. Yeah. Why is it in, is a fascinating word. And there's a great uh, TED talk by Simon Sinek where he talks about finding your why and relates to that word as it relates to your life and why you do things, why things happen. But uh, I'd encourage people to go find that on Google, uh, Google YouTube because uh, Simon Sinek and why fits in very nicely with your use of that word and why it's such a great, important word. Do you think about when we're little kids? We ask why all the time, and then you start to grow up, and you know, adults and teachers start to tell you to be quiet and listen. Yeah. And we kind of stop saying or asking why. I think we need to come back to that an awful lot. I think it would solve a lot of problems on social media with all the angst and the the fighting, especially the political fighting these days. Absolutely. Instead of just instead of just belting back your opinion, ask someone else why they feel the way they do, and just keep asking them, "Well, Correct. why? Well, why?" and you may not agree with them, but at least you'll understand that better. <laughs> you might get along and be able to have a dialogue. So thanks for bringing that up. Love that word. I want to go back in time, though, and you touched on this a little bit, a story that instigated this passion you have for speed and cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you decided, you know what, I'm going to be a guy and I'm going to be going fast? Yes. Uh, when I got my driver's license, uh, well, and even before then, I mean, some of this, you know, there's a very, very personal side to it, uh, the, about the really going fast part. Everybody wanted to drive when they got their driver's license. Uh, we all have the same thoughts on that. Shortly after I had my license, I was a senior in high school. But then I knew I bought this Nova. I got this, I got this oh, Nova. That was my I, first I, car, Chevy yeah, Nova. So it was, yeah. a, it was a 67 Nova. That so was mine. Are you out. kidding me? No, I'm serious. Well, well my, I'm my taillights were in. Mine was an old lady's car that only had 14,000 miles. It looked brand new. It still had those plastic seat covers with the little bumps really? on it from the 60s. So, oh, yeah. So yeah. mine was the opposite. It had this, it was the first hot rod project of uh, another guy named Bill on the, on Whidbey Island. And okay. he was, it was like the fastest car on the island, but it was just a, <laughs> it was a project thing. Yeah. And, uh -huh. you know, what people's first projects are. And it was really, uh, what we, I refer to it today as a sticker bush dream, but, uh, <laughs> a sticker bush I, dream. <laughs> I, you know, I had these cars, you know, my grandmother had given me this, uh, Pontiac. Tempest, big giant, or no, it was a Bonneville, I think. I, I, it, it was big. It was huge. It wasn't the car, a cool car that the high school guy wanted to drive in 1984. So these hand-me-down sort of things that I had, and then, but I worked. I worked my butt off, and I saved up some money, and I bought this car. I bought this Nova, and I got it running, and it was fast. It wasn't much to look at, but it was fast. And uh, John, my 
best friend, he, his car also, uh, uh, it was fast. And, and so that we fed off of each other, you know, we were, we graduated with 90 some odd people as kind of a small rural community. And, and we had these mechanical desires. And of course, once you got your driver's license, you were able to do that with cars prior to my driver's license, it was motorcycles. And this, it was the same attitude is the, where's the hill? Is it bigger? Is it faster riding dirt bikes and trail bikes? <laughs> Yeah. But the the pivotal moment beyond that and then some personal things was about 1989, I was given a birthday gift. I'd moved to, to Northern California, to Marin County. I was given a birthday gift by just a wonderful person that's always so thoughtful that saw this driving this passion about me wanting to compete. I was a con- framing contractor, building homes, and uh, she took me to Monterey and surprised me with a day with a day pass there at the Jim Russell Driving School at Laguna Seca. Oh, and how fun! Yeah, changed my life. I was I've been on a track ever since, and it, and it wasn't about the Formula Ford. It wasn't about road racing, although I loved it. I loved any time I could go fast. I loved it, whether it was in an airplane or on my street bike or any place. I was that guy that just wanted to get to the next stoplight as fast as he could and, uh, and cut the best reaction and have the best reaction time when it turned green. Yeah, <laughs> sure. That was it. That, but Laguna, Jim Russell's driving school. And these driving schools became a, a part of my future. And uh, that was... After that, it was over, brother. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We, we got some common things here, although I did not take the path of speed for you, but that's where I took my, I took a three-day open-wheel driving course to get my racing license there and uh, race vintage cars for about a dozen years. And I loved that track. It was great. I did the same thing at Road America. I uh, did a three-day school there as well. But Laguna Seca is a special place in my heart. I've, I've raced there many times. Yeah, it does. Great, great place. And, and that, yeah. that's shared with many people. You know, I just recently had dinner with Mario Andretti. And, no way. Uh, yeah, the Mario yeah. Andretti? The Mario Andretti, oh my brother. Gosh. And got to share some stories. It was at the World of Speed Museum uh, down in Wilsonville, Oregon. Uh, nice. An incredible facility. If people haven't been there, they mu- it's a must-go. It's just south oh, yeah. of Portland. Uh, I had a display in there. Or I was part of a display, some of my stuff, uh, my 20-plus years of racing uh, Harleys. Uh, I was part of a of a one year exhibit in, that included uh, my destination Harley Land Speed bike, uh, which is a factory road race fuel we've modified for Bonneville and other Land Speed events. And to date, it is the only eighty cubic inch pushrod motorcycle in history to break the two hundred mile an hour barrier. But as that my exhibit was coming out, uh, an exhibit to Mario Andretti was going in. So not only an honor to uh, share the same floor space as as he, but uh, I was invited to a dinner and conversation with Mario Andretti, and we got to hang out after the museum was closed. I got him on my motorcycle. You know, we talked motorcycles. He's a very, very accomplished motorcycle rider. Uh, his passion for motorcycles is second only to that of his passion for racing automobiles. And, wow. And um, so it was very interesting. And, and, and interestingly enough, there was a, a, another... Another, you know, there was a commonality there. And now people say, why, why are you doing this? Or, you know, what are you going to do if this doesn't? Why would you ever try that? I don't have a plan B. This is my life. This is my plan. Plan A is, is plan A no is plan A. plan B. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, Mario... I uh, shared some stories about that. But the, again, back to Laguna, you know, the course crew, you've been through it. Yeah. It's, nobody will ever master it. When you hit it right, oh, you hit it right. And there's oh, nothing yeah. like it. I have goosebumps yeah. right now telling you about it. Yeah. There's yeah, nothing it's like it. Yeah. But uh, and when, when you fail, which is easy 
to do when that's not uh, set up yeah. right. If you haven't looked forward far enough, when you come up over that last hump at the top of the at the top of the uh, hill, and you and you're well, in there's your been some thinking, bad bad failures of that corner. Oh happening. Some man, serious, well, if some it's deaths wrong, it's wrong. There too. It, those are the things that have driven me. You put it on the line, put it out there, let them hang, man, How and uh, let's see what you've got. And yeah. <laughs> uh, so you yeah, know, this is uh, cool because. You mentioned World of Speed. I've had uh, David Schaefer, Lewis Ferguson, Ron uh, Hughley, all as guests here on the show. So those are all guys down at that wonderful museum. Any of you ever down in Oregon, you got to visit that. Let, let's move forward and talk about a big, a big challenge or a big failure because you've, you've uh, decided on a career that has to do with lots of challenges and, of course, failures. I mean, everybody in racing has ups and downs. One weekend you're a champ, the next weekend you're a chump. So let's talk about a big challenge in your life and how you got through that. But more importantly, what was the learning lesson there that allowed you to move forward in a positive way? Years and years ago, I was introduced to some very high goals. And I consider myself intelligent to my team intelligent. Uh, I, what I, well, I considered myself intelligent enough to achieve these goals. What I learned, the biggest lesson I learned was that I had better look at history those who have achieved, those who I'm trying to beat, what they have done, and I, I better put together a good team. And the importance of those things, whether you have the passion or not, the team and the people around you, uh, that was really my biggest lesson. As far as being successful on the track, uh, parlaying that success into a career of racing, uh, uh, people ask me all the time, what do you do? And I, I tell them, I don't know what I'm going to do next week. Uh, you know, my business is kind of a solution based company, uh, whether it be finding solutions for my own projects, whether it's the hydroplane or motorcycles or flat track race, whatever it is, finding the solutions to be better there or finding solutions for customers, whether those be OEMs and uh, other companies that have us do some consulting and, and look for solutions to customers. We have a customer base here at my shop uh, that is primarily V-twin, you know, in the Harley enthusiast, uh, American-made V-twins, pushrod motorcycles and performance upgrades. So the biggest lesson, finding the team. The uh, Some of the biggest challenges, I, I don't, they, I'll tell you the same thing I tell them. I, I, I wouldn't know where to start. Everything's been a challenge. Each one of these records that we have accomplished have been significant records, uh, records that have stood for a very long time, uh, tremendous challenges, whether it were aerodynamic issues, uh, riding or driving issues, uh, mechanical failures, uh, safety, uh, accidents. Uh, it, this is kind of a two-drink minimum talk, but the biggest lesson uh, both ways was not succeeding because I did not surround myself with the proper people or listen to the proper people. And then, of course, the, the lesson learned from there is found quite simply when you do when you do surround yourself with those people, when you do ask the question why, uh, when you when you are confident enough that you can look somebody in the eye and say, I don't know. Yeah, that important thing to important thing to realize, isn't it? Oh, man. As soon as I started saying, I don't know, I started knowing a hell of a lot more. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Now, there's a quote. <laughs> I'm going <Yeah. laughs> to I'm going to I'm going to keep that one there. I want to talk a little bit about what's coming up here in a minute, but first I want to talk about your first really special vehicle or race car. Now you talked about that Nova, of course, but maybe we talk about the first race car or motorcycle or dragster that you got in that you've kind of went, 
man, or you did go, wow, I'm here. This is Nitro a- Harley. No, not a- Nitro no, Harley. No, okay. Nitro oh. Harley. That was my jumping off point into the oh world my gosh. of professional racing. <laughs> yeah, jumping off. Uh, yeah, I think I would jump right off. But Nitro Harleys, I mean, you know, for those of us, if, I've ridden motorcycles. I rode them in high school, dirt bikes, did all that stuff, rode street bikes for a while. But the idea of getting on a Nitro Harley and going, I mean, how fast are you going on this thing? But, you know, ultimately, I was uh, a couple of years later, I was on a top fuel Harley, uh, and that's, that bike had gone uh, with the great Jim McClure on it, and behind it was uh, uh, 6.42 seconds, up to 226 <laughs> miles per hour. That uh, bike held the record for a very long time. It was as oh it was the most gosh. for seven years. Uh, you know, that was the most powerful and best machine I think that was ever out there, and it was the brainchild of, of James Puppet, uh, yeah. and, you know, made the frame, and, and of course, Jim McClure, my my hero, my mentor, my best friend, uh, 19-time world champion, the grandfather of the sport. But when I got one of those bikes. Yeah. When you're going that fast, I- I've just got to ask. I mean, I watch that and I go, how do you even know when it's over? Because it's, you know, it's so, it's like, oh, I better start to stop now. I'm I'm at the end of the runway. I can't describe it. So the first nitro bike that I got, I, I thought that it was this, uh, uh, I was going to go out and set the world on fire, right? You know, I'm going to go. I, so I show up at this race. It's pretty good story. I think people yeah. would be interested in it. Okay. So I, early in my career, I was building custom Harleys, uh, custom motorcycles, uh, very custom. In fact, I'm looking right now at a, an award I'm very, very proud of. Uh, you know, it's a first place, uh, first place winner, the Grand National Roadster Show, 1998. And wow. Cool. Uh, that was a custom bike I had built, and it was something I'd sketched out. I have an artistic side, uh, equally as large as my my mechanical side of my brain. Uh, nice. Whether they're good or not is yet to be seen, but <laughs> well, I think the so. interest is there. So I found this uh, artistic outlet. I was able to beat metal into submission, uh, make these shapes and do these things, and, uh, and use it when I was done. It didn't just hang on the wall, uh, which was the, my downside with conventional art, I guess. Uh, we take this. I show up in Woodburn, Oregon for the All Harley Drag Racing Associations, uh, Northwest Nationals, and I'd never been to a Harley race. Well, I didn't think that they raced them. These were just uh, bikes that we used for, and I didn't know much about them. And I, I go there on this custom bike, and of course, I'd put a nitrous bottle on it. And I, I got there, and they said, yeah, there's no bike show here. The bike would then, at that time, was on the uh, featured in VQ magazine and uh, simultaneous to this, and and. I said, no, 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 I didn't bring this here to show it. I brought this here to race it. So there was no class to race it. And I went out there and I went down the track on my bike. And, uh, you know, it was good. And I, I had some good 60-foot times. And I sit back and I watch and I see this guy named Jake Silcox. He's a crazy guy from Tennessee. He gets on board this top field Harley. He was in the left lane at Woodburn, Oregon. And uh, I watch him. He takes this hit. I'm like, what the hell am I looking at? This is amazing. And uh, the front tire's in the air. It's pinned on the wheelie bars, packing air under the front tire. And... And he breaks the left handlebar breaks off in his past. You can see it. What? It's amazing. I'm like, oh no. And and he just rode that thing through the finish line run like a six ninety two oh two. I thought With I have to have one of these. Bar? The handlebar broke off. I'm holding on. Uh, at first, you know, I would have thought, oh, it's a weak handlebar. Well, no, man. That's how many G-forces that there are. So I see this. I see Jake Silcox do this thing. And I said, I have to have one. And I, I, went, I walked up to him. I said, this is what I want to do. At the time, I was racing shifter carts. When I moved back up to Seattle, 
there wasn't a big Formula Ford or Formula Mazda thing going on like there was in Laguna because I'd, I'd gone back there. And uh, when I moved up, and, and the industry was changing. We were watching Toyota Atlantic teams, which is where I wanted to go. We were, we were watching these um, indie teams and Toyota Atlantic teams go from taking drivers, uh, you know, in their 20s and um, even into their 30s that were experienced with Formula Ford and Formula Mazda, the shift changed and Red Bull got into the world and, and into the racing world. And all of a sudden it started being 15 and 16 year olds coming out of shifter carts and, uh, or the cart racing community. And although it had always been there, that was usually your introduction. And then you went into like we talked about formula Ford and then formula Mazda, and, you know, you, you worked your way up. Well, now these teams were just taking young people from those things. So I was doing that road racing. I watched this top fuel Harley go. That was the last time I, I got rid of my road racing stuff and I bought one the next day. <laughs> you got into uh, bikes. Oh my I gosh. did. I did. Yeah. I saw that performance and it was an old Ironhead Sportster, uh, you know, ran on nitromethane, ran in a class called Pro Dragster, which is now called Pro Fuel. And uh, I made my first hit on a, on a bike and a drag strip. I didn't even, when I was done, that guy I was working with, Dave, he, he says, so how many RPMs do you think you were running? Do you think that the clutch hooked up in the time? I, I looked at him. I said, buddy, I, I don't even know what lane I just went down and, and it was like right. a nine yeah. second pass or something. Uh, two years later, I had achieved the national record, uh, both eighth mile and quarter mile. I looked at the, at the current config, at the configuration of the bike I was running. And I said, this will never beat it. Uh, we need to come up with something new if we want to beat mm-hmm. the guy that's at the top. And it was September of 2001 in that same lane. I was in the right lane at Wood, in Woodburn, Oregon. And I ran the first carbureted Harley in history to go over 180 miles per hour in a quarter mile. And I, I don't know that they'll ever hit 190, but, uh, you know, my record's been bumped, I think, to 186 now. But it was, I ran wow. 180.8 and then backed it up with a pass of 182 on that Saturday in, in Woodburn, which made Woodburn my favorite track. And it still is today. We have a lot of other Woodburn stories to share. It, wow. Some other time, but uh, that was it. That man, that was the moment. Two years later, I was on a top fuel bike. I didn't start at the bottom class and move my way up through the fourteen classes. I started second from the top, and, and uh, <laughs> why not? <two> later, <laughs> we, we got the records, uh, and then in Rockingham, North Carolina, we um, in October of that same year, we got the eighth mile uh, mile per hour record at one hundred fifty four miles per hour. And you don't get a chance to practice these things. You know, there's a very limited opportunity uh, to be able to ride them. And, but then it to me, it was all about the win. And, uh, and I have to say 18 years later that it's not so much about the win anymore. It's having the opportunity to win. Uh, I, you know, I was there. I, I was there. I'd made, I, I did what I've wanted to do on those bikes when I went to top fuel. Uh, you know, there was one bike and one, one, one bad guy and that his name was Jim McClure and he kind of took me under his wing. I bought his bike. He took me under his wing and I, I, I can't express the gratitude I have to the man, his family and the sport uh, taught me a lot beyond racing. It taught me, gave me lessons far beyond racing. So that was my first, that was the one that, uh, in 1997 is when I got that pro dragster and, uh, you know, and got my pro license and I've just haven't looked back. Obviously not. Well, let's talk about what you're about to do. I know that, uh, as we're recording this show, which is in late October, uh, it'll air later in November, but you're getting ready to go, uh, try to set another record, right? 
I am. I am. You know, that Nitro Harley uh, drag racing thing, you know, that led me to a guy named Alan Sputh, who is a, a, a master of Bonneville land speed motorcycles. And Alan took me under his wing, got me through Bonneville, another section of my career. Uh, then that uh, also got then as a young person in Washington state, I always wanted to race hydroplanes. So, you know, I got a hydroplane. I started racing hydroplanes. And then a couple of years, about a year and a half ago, I heard uh, big daddy Don Garlitz himself. Uh, I became aware of this quest for 200, which some broad brushstrokes. It's well, actually the only brushstroke. Uh, the quest for 200 is to be the first electric car in history to go 200 miles per hour in a quarter mile, uh, you know, on a drag strip and a sanctioned drag strip. And, Don Garlitz, as most people are aware, uh, he was the first to go 200 miles per hour in a top fuel car in 1964. And uh, there's only one guy that can carry that that honor. And when I heard Don Garlitz say that they'd been trying for a number of years and uh, they felt that they would also be the first to 200 in an electric vehicle, but it's unfortunately, it is not possible today with current technology. When I heard him say that, I said, you know what? I think you're wrong, and I can't believe I just heard those words come out of such an innovator, inspirational man's mouth. I'm going to do it, and it inspired me. So I set out to build the world's first electric car, you know, 200-mile-per-hour electric dragster, and it's been a tremendously rewarding project. Uh, It's been difficult. We have faced many, many challenges. Uh, You know, our initial success, getting out on the track the first week and running 108, you know, setting the record our first time out for AC powered unlimited voltage. Uh, that's the technical side of it, but it's also the overall AC AC motor record at 180. Again, another record at Woodburn, Oregon, in the same right lane, uh, 180 miles per hour. Uh, uh, that was very rewarding, but that just showed me that's that's all the car has. We went out with everything it had, and last year we had some things happen. I wasn't able to work as hard on the project as I wanted. My partner and I have a partner on the car. His name is Larry Carroll. Larry Carroll is an oil man. He has the Carroll Oil Company in Montana. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. And to have an oil man died in the wool, get on board with an electric car project, we talked about it. And I said, I'm going to need some help, buddy. Uh, Again, back to the team. Uh, I'm going to need a team and, you know, I, I need some help supporting this project. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, it's discovery. Yeah. You know, Columbus didn't know what he was going to find. He just, needed to, he just needed to load up the boat with some food and money and let's go. Uh, and and have the right guys. guys. Yeah, Don Garlitz. Yeah, you know, Don Garlitz was a very early guest of mine. He was like guest number 182 back in February 2015. And Obviously, you know everything about it. Most people do that have followed any of that stuff. Fantastic guy. So, so you're going to go out and try to beat this 200 mile an electric dragster. I think that's pretty pretty cool. And also, you've been working on a, on a TV show as well, The Speed Geeks, The Science of Speed. Tell us a little bit about that. Though. I have. It's been a seven-year project, and uh, well, I'm in my seventh year of it right now. You know, the first two years uh, was pretty loose. I'm, I wasn't exactly, I was getting led down paths that I particularly didn't want to go down, um, you know, that were uh, reality. You know, we have to have a show about your life and meet the characters, meet the, like, man, none of that's real. That's not, uh, this isn't one of those 
scripted reality shows. I wanted to make us an education show. This time of my career, this last five, 10 years of being able to work with students and being able to teach and pass on the things that the great ones passed on to me. And most of it was learning how to think. I've never told anybody where to find the answer. I've told them how to get to the answer. So I wanted a show that represented that. Um, so I went to work on it recently, this last year, the last nail the last piece that I needed yeah. uh, arrived. Let's, let's the say the last of, nail in the coffin. Yeah, we're not ready, yeah, we're not ready for that. No, no, but uh, a piece of the puzzle. Uh, yeah. Scott Schaefer agreed to be my head writer. Uh, Scott Schaefer was the head writer for Bill Nye, the science guy. Um, which, so our show is, you know, typically we're going to have three lessons uh, and they get technical. We're, we don't, and it's not about me. The show is not about me. It's not about the people that race these, the world's fastest vehicles. It's not even about the world's fastest vehicles. It's why they are the world's fastest vehicles. We will never run out of topics. It will always be improved. Technology and intelligence will always go in a forward direction. Uh, something that we like development. We're not going to stop. Evolution dictates that this will happen. And with people, that drives them to develop new technologies, to go further, faster, easier, more efficiently regardless of what we're doing. Worldwide, we have this obsession with speed. You know, why did, why did Shanghai need to build a train that went 300 miles per hour? You know, they, they used to go 200 or 260 miles per hour. Why, man? Wasn't 250 fast enough to get to work? <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah. not. You know, yeah. how much faster do we need our phones to be? Do we need our computers to be? Well, I... I I know the answers to those questions. It's somewhat rhetorical, but we will do it. And we will continue to push boundaries. We will continue to go further. We will continue to go faster, whether it's our space program and finding more answers to the universe, uh, whether it's going underwater and finding more answers, what's to be found at the bottom of our oceans, or going down a racetrack and how do we get there faster, safer, more economically. Uh, uh, and this electric thing has been a tremendous challenge for that. The television show, uh, I think we have everything that it takes. We, we'll have, we will have lessons. Those lessons will be everything from coefficient of friction to rotating mass to, and we'll break it down. We'll, we'll show you the math. We'll show you the science, the physics, uh, whatever it is. And along the way, we'll be doing some very interesting experiments. And of Sounds course, the, cool. each episode concludes with, uh, uh, finding out if it worked or if it didn't, <laughs> did, yeah. their an did their answers work uh, in practice like they did in theory? And cool. as we know, everything in theory or everything in practice works in theory, but not everything in theory works in practice. So no. Uh, no. It, it's interesting. It, it will be, of course, we'll pull on past experiences of my own, but uh, we'll be having guests, many guests uh, from the racing world uh, and, uh, and talk to them, find out how, how did, what was the lesson that they learned and what was it that they did to beat the guy that was, that used to be in front of them. How did you get yeah. to the front? Sounds exciting. Well, yeah, I ventured into this TV world this year, too, with my Cars Yeah television show. We did 13 episodes. So, uh, yeah, it's a wacky world, this world of TV. But I oh, wish you boy. the best success. This sounds fascinating. Yeah. This has been a really a focused five-year journey. Uh, the first two years, I didn't have a lot of focus. But it, it is difficult that we are seeing. A, uh, what I am seeing now is a 
I wished for it five years ago, and now it's coming true. Uh, a society that education is more important than ever, and and the masses are starting to realize what you know. It's a lot of us said ten years ago, and and even more said five years ago, and even more saying it today. Education, education, education. We uh, we have lost our emphasis on education, and socially, it you know it leads to a lot of things. People aren't haven't found their why. And, you know, we watch this with young people uh, making bad decisions too often. They haven't found their why. You know, why do people choose to do some things? Because it makes them feel good. You know, whether it's drugs, whether it's bad choice, you know, they get this rush, this feeling out of it. And when I was young, we had other things that gave us this rush. Um, it's an interesting thing. So education, and uh, I think I have the right team put together. We have a brilliant animator. We have a brilliant writer. We've got a brilliant staff. And, and we have a lot of great topics that I think can inspire the viewers to learn more and see something. Hopefully they see something in there that, uh, that is their why and they continue on. Very cool. I wish you the best success with that. Well, Steve up next is the last lap before we put the pedal to the metal. Let's say thank you to today's cars. Yeah. Sponsors. When you want proven performance, there's one brand that's been around since 1938. That's Edelbrock, building the finest American-made performance products for the street and track. Edelbrock's products are designed and dyno-proven to deliver maximum results. Edelbrock has thousands of made-in-the-USA performance products for all makes and models. From their new AVS2 carburetor and innovative ProFlow 4 EFI for your muscle car or truck. To superchargers for your daily driver and more, visit edelbrock.com to check out the latest products for your ride and when you're ready to check out enter cars yeah in the coupon code and get 10 percent off your order that's edelbrock automotive performance since 1938 you take care of your cars but who takes care of your investments tune-ups aren't just for engines updating your financial plan is important too your gps may take you from a to b but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified. And he's a car guy, too. Learn more at chrisvkimball.com. Or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah. And I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at com. All right, Steve, I have a bit of an introspective question before I get into a little bit of a lightning round here with you. Uh, if you were a car, if you woke up tomorrow as a vehicle, what would you be? I would be a supercar. I, 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 not, I'm not saying that from an ego standpoint, but I would be, I would be a super, any number of supercars that uh, were pushing the limit, which one is going to go to the front. And uh, the limits that I want to push would require me to be a, a modern supercar. There you go. That makes sense to me. 
Well, we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and have you give us some very quick blips of that supercar throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive or motorcycle advice you've ever received? Again, uh, the best advice I've received, Jim McClure, time to take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's great. How about a personal habit of yours that you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years and your wins? I don't know that I'd call it a habit. Uh, many people call it a disorder, but it's most definitely my ADD. I, to me, I use it as a competitive advantage, uh, processing information and thinking about 9 million things at once. Those same things that prevent me from sleeping are the same things that uh, that allow me to work 20 hours a day on a focused goal uh, and an, uh, achievable goals and making sure that, I, that the goal is achievable. Even when they say it's not, I know if it is, and for me. So uh, that uh, that's my habit, uh, my pacing, my, my relentless thinking. And uh, yeah, that's my competitive advantage it is definitely ADD. Excellent. I love that. How about a resource? Is there one in particular you'd like to share? I don't know that there's any in particular. And again, we're so diverse here. Our resources, you know, my resources most definitely get personal these days with uh, Uh, with the people uh, and and having access to those people at the top. But as advice, I think that anybody else, my best resources going throughout my career, a lesson I learned early on was choosing the right person to listen to. And once yeah. you start listening to them, wait until you're finished, wait until they're finished. Uh, Keep that uh, not just with a sentence, but <laughs> not just with a sentence, but with a tune up, uh, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter what, I can't tell you what jetting to run because I don't know how much overlap that your camp timing, that uh, I don't know where your cam set up. So I can't tell you this. We can figure it out, but there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle. So the best resource is uh, having a diverse book of resources. Yeah, love it. How about if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased? Who would it be? I wish that Jim McC- uh, Jim McClure. Yeah, Jim McClure, 19-time world champion. I never had a, an opportunity to thank him. I was going through some things in my life when uh, when we lost Jim, and and it, it'd be him. And and if nobody, if people aren't aware of what Jim McClure's history was, uh, it's definitely worth a look. Uh, an innovator, uh, just a tremendous man. His perseverance, his toughness, his kindness. I wish I could sit down with him one more time. Yeah, most definitely. The great Jim McClure, absolutely. How about a book? Is there a book that you'd like to share with our listeners that you've enjoyed reading or learned a lot from? I've never read a book. Oh, well, there you go. There you My go. ADD, again, uh, I, I fall asleep. I don't retain much information from books. Now, text, textbooks if, uh, or um, things that I, uh, manuals, things like that. Uh, you know, there are some great, great uh, engine building books. Uh, there are great books on frame geometry, uh, front end geometry, uh, those types of books. Uh, just get yourself into some textbooks uh, if you're not the type to, that can or will read a novel. I, myself, I, I'm most definitely one of them. No problem. You know, one of the things that I found, because I have a challenge sometimes too there, is getting into audiobooks. Uh, at least you can listen. I uh, really enjoy getting into those. My wife listens to, gosh, multiple books every week. So. I always thought maybe it's she'd want to listen to me. She's got her earbuds in all the time, but uh, she's always listening to some great audiobooks. And they're all free from the library. They Even are. And, and, you know, the, the great Alan Sputh turned me on to those. He would ride to bon- – I'd stop in Grass Valley, California, and pick up Alan on my way to Bonneville or on our way to El Mirage or our way to Mojave, wherever we were going. And and during those truck drives, Alan would uh, bring books on tape, and, and we would listen to them and uh, it was good getting to the end and finding out why four legs good, two legs bad. 
<laughs> Listen, today I'm going to buy you any cool collector car or bike on the planet and park it in your garage. But there's a couple of rules to this little game that you have to abide by. You can't sell it to fund your next racing venture. You have to keep it and drive it or ride it. And it's the only one cool collector vehicle you can have. What can I buy you, Steve? You could find and buy me my mom's old six, 1965 Mercury Comet that uh, she had given to me. And, uh, you know, I, I left it in a field that eventually got um, taken away. But, you know, I lost my mom at a very, very young age. And uh, that car, if I could have it back today, uh, I would do anything for it. And, and it would never, ever, ever be gone. A 65 Mercury Comet mom's yeah. car. That's that's really nice. It uh, warms my heart, my friend. Well, listen, you have taken us on an incredible ride today. I knew you would. This has been really, really fun. I wish you the best in your quest for speed next week for a safe, very fast run. I think that's pretty cool. To be able to show the great Don Garlitz that it can be done is even better. Is there a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance you might offer all of us before you drive off from the sunset in Mom's Mercury Comet? Never buy a cheap garden hose. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, that's... uh Words to live by, right? We all learned a lesson. If I would have listened to the guy that told me that, I would have, uh, yeah, just say it, it expands into everything. Just never buy a cheap garden hose. I love it. You're funny. <laughs> What's the best way for people to follow and keep up with you if it's possible? Well, a good jumping off point, of course, is our website, stevehuffmotorsports.com. Uh, from there, you'll find links to our Facebook page, our Twitter page, our, our uh, Instagram, all of our social media outlets. Uh, and we have a great uh, marketing department here, uh, which you must have if you're going to make a living in racing. Uh, you can find out about our sponsors, our great sponsors. Sponsors. You know, and one, one of the new thing that we had come on this year, uh, I met this incredible young man who's a brilliant motorcycle racer. His name's David Colstead. He's 15 years old. He's already amassed 16 championships uh, wow. um, in the Northwest and regionally road racing and uh, flat track racing. So David's the next guy on a motorcycle people should be watching for. And I'm fortunate right now to have him uh, riding a bike of, uh, of ours. Uh, in the, the Roland Sands Super Hooligan Series. So that's one thing to be on the lookout for. That doesn't have to do necessarily with me, but uh, uh, that's the direction that we're heading, bring some young people in and, and uh, get them in these driver's seats that I've been hogging up the, my whole career <laughs> and and our sponsors. Yeah, uh, you have to introduce me to him. I would love to have him on this show. You can uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, make an introduction and we'll uh, share him with the audience. He just reset the track record for uh, ultralights on his motorcycle at the Ridge. Uh, wow. After only a second time out there, he's been uh, he's reset the track record at Pacific Raceways uh, on that same uh, on that same Kawasaki 400. I mean, the, the young man yeah. is as talented as they get, and his dirt track racing is incredible. I look forward to uh, to having him on this show. Those are both great tracks. I didn't come from a family that raced. In fact, I don't really have a biological family that's on uh, has anything to do with racing, and most of whom, I, unfortunately, I don't really even know. But every day, I wake up every day and I do it. And while I have them open, I want to bring the people, other people that are deserving of it through these doors. And, and David is definitely one of those young men that uh, um, has a special place in his future. He just, as long as he can stay on the path and, com- and continue to get support. You know, we have great sponsors, you know, and, and regionally here, uh, Destination Harley-Davidson, uh, uh, you know, they understood my position very well. And I said, well, I need somebody not to sponsor me. I want you to sponsor him, and uh, we need help with this. And Destination stepped up. Umbrella Girls USA stepped up. Tucker Power Sports stepped up. Uh, and these things for uh, – otherwise, he's uh, another one, a teenager who's talented and 
uh, needs some doors open. So we'll continue pushing on that. And uh, my sponsors, the hydroplane, uh, you know, we'll be out next year with my hydroplane do, doing great things uh, with our sponsor, the flood guys and, uh, and so many great associate sponsors. So as you go through your career and any other advice and take care of your sponsors, take care of the people that got you here and get back into the community, give back what they've given you. And I've been given opportunities and that's all I can be thankful for. So we we like to get the kids in the cars, on the motorcycles, in the hydroplane, and uh, to watch these kids' faces light up is uh, it's more rewarding than any race win will ever get you. Absolutely. You've discovered the secret to a happy life. I'd love to share David with uh, my listeners here. Maybe we can find him some more support, too. Steve, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing an amazing life experience. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah TV is available on Mav TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find Mav TV on Direct TV. Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!